The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we start this episode of Bench with Bubba, got a couple things for you. The Quantage.com, great daily fantasy sports website. They, they dominated football last year, got into basketball, did great there. We're knocking baseball out of the park. I contribute there five to six days a week on the batter breakdown. But go check them out. You can get the rest of the MLB season by using promo code Bubba for $10 off, $74.99. A lot of winning going on over there at thequantedge.com. Or if you want to get a little football and baseball, get your first month for only $19.99 by using promo code Bubba. So go check all that out, thequantedge.com, promo code Bubba. Also, draft.com, drafting your app store, a great way to play daily fantasy sports. Go check them out. It's awesome. They started with the snake-style draft. We've been a big fan of that. They added the best ball drafts. were amazing for football this year. They cranked it up to a whole nother level. The $25 entry, million-dollar grand prize best ball. They have really ramped things up. You got basketball. You got golf. You got baseball. You got all the great stuff over there at Draft. And if you're new to Draft, use promo code SD Sports. SD is in dog sports. And you'll get a $3 entry to any tournament of your choice. Snake style, auction, best ball, any $3 tournament of your choice, promo code SD Sports. Last but not least, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I would mean a ton to me. It really helped me out, move me up the rankings, and I'd appreciate it. But now, Bench with Bubba, episode 182 with Tim Heaney of Rotowire, ESPN, and In This Ring. Great stuff. Recapping week 13 fab, recent MLB news, and much, much more. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 182 we got a special guest a member of rotowire.com to help me break down the fab the week that was in fab some recent mlb news and much much more you can find him on twitter at team heaney tim how we doing man yeah i'm doing well uh yeah join team heaney i know people have been a little bit confused uh about the name change but i just got sick of the underscore Used to be Tim underscore Heaney, just was kind of an eyesore after a while, so I changed it up. Uh, but at least I'm not Tim Healy, who was having a little bit of a rough weekend. 
<laughs> no doubt about it. But yeah, no, I went to write down your Twitter handle. I'm like, that's new. And I like it. I, I like the change. It's pretty cool. So um, that that's pretty good there. Before we get into all this, we have some breaking news we were chatting about right before this. Why don't you let everybody know like, what you got going on? Because you do more than just Rotowire. It's a cool little niche thing you got going with our buddy Joe Bisapia. Uh, yeah, Joe, who was on your show, and, you know, it's uh, it was a good episode because you guys are just, you know, sound good together. Joe and I do a pro wrestling podcast. Uh, for those of you out there who are geeks about sport entertainment like I am and like Joe is, talk about the fun stuff, talk about the art of, of you know, sports entertainment, talk about that stuff. There's, a, there's actually a nice sub-community in the fantasy sports world of pro wrestling fans, and it's been kind of fun, you know, reconnecting with some of those guys there. I, are you one I forgot? Are you in there? What I told Joe is I was a diehard when I was a kid. I grew up yeah. in like the, the bad with the bad boy era, whatever they called it. Like I was I was into that. I watch it from time to time. I keep getting told I need to get back into it. I would have told you that in like 2013, 14, especially. There's a lot of good things right now. Um, you know, listen to some, some episodes. We have some some problems with some things, but you know, still fun to do stuff with Joe because he's a great broadcaster, professional guy's I wish I could match his energy every day. That guy's a that guy's a <laughs> no nutcase, doubt but, uh, <laughs> no doubt. And I'm also doing a little bit of ESPN fantasy baseball writing as well. I do a little bit here and there with daily notes with Todd Zola and Paul Spohr and a bunch of other people. And uh, you know, I, I pop in a feature every everyone here and there, like once, uh, you know, twice a month, something like that. So you know, just try to, to talk about some other bigger topics as well. So yeah, it's going great, and the RotoWire stuff's uh, great with Jeff as well. Like that guy's just you know trying to match his levels, a whole other story as well. Yep, yep. If you can match his half of his pun level, you'll be good to go. So. <laughs> that was actually part of initiation. I had to at least do one pun every episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing well, then. You're still on, so that, that's good to hear. Um, let's do some MLB news. And like I said, we had some breaking news kind of popping out. We don't have the full extent of it, but Jordan Hicks has a torn UCL. You and I both know what that pretty much leads to. Everyone wants that second opinion, regardless of what the first one was. But it was an up-and-down year. We know this stuff's electric. They were already kind of looking for John Gant. He got a little beat up. Hicks is likely out, Tim. I think we have to accept that. Where would you start looking in St. Louis now for the closing situation? I mean, I did pick up a share of John Gant in uh, the TGFBI. I guess we'll talk about that later. But uh, I, I think it's it's not set in stone that it's going to be Gant. I think that he has had that successful transition from the rotation, from a possible starter to relieving because his, his stuff has played up a bit as as the – the long story goes, you know, the, the long told, uh, you know, trend of, of some guys going from starter to reliever. Sometimes their stuff plays up a little bit more. That has been the case. Strikeouts haven't been outstanding, but just, you know, a little bit more of a high effort yields and has had, he's had more success with that. Carlos Martinez is secondary there. I think, I think it's might be a share for as long as Hicks is out. And, you know, then again, this Cardinals still within the playoff race. They still might trade for closer help. Maybe uh Rob Silver guy, you know, really well known with the fantasy stuff also, a tweet about Ken Giles being a possibility from the Blue Jays. So it's it's kind of a fluid situation right now. And, this court, of course, Andrew Miller might be a matchup guy as well. So I got a share of Gantt. I don't think it's a safe share, but, you know, it's kind of a dart that you want to throw at this point because there is, of course, the need for them to fill that. So you might as well try to get a piece of something. Yeah, and I agree. Is When we talk about, I'd say, 85% of closing situations, maybe more, maybe a little less, none of them are safe. So you want a piece of it wherever you can get it. I know there's been many that have been – Screaming from the roof, rooftops, they've wanted Carlos Martinez since he came back and wasn't put in the rotation. But uh, John Gant seems like he's got a good chance on it. You mentioned Andrew Miller. They paid the man. Like you think – I know he hasn't pitched up to those standards. You'd think they'd want to try to get him back in there somehow to earn that paycheck. And you mentioned Ken Giles, Will Smith with the Giants. There's there's right. options there for sure because they are in the, the race. And that, that NL Central even coming into the season, 
we knew it was going to be tight. It was going to be, you know, very, very good. So they're not out of it. And uh, it could be really, really interesting with that. Yeah, one. I think. I think if you get Gantor Martinez, you really have to consider like almost like a third of a closer. You can't really make it like your full solution. You you know, get a piece, but kind of see where it goes and keep your eyes peeled, I guess. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into it with, with the fab report. But when I tell you later on who my closers are in TGFBI, I would take a third of a closer right about now. So that's where that world's going. Let's go to the Colorado <laughs> Rockies. Garrett Hampson is back up. You know, preseason, it was Hampson, it was McMahon. Who was it going to be? McMahon's been the guy, but not really the guy we wanted. But Hampson's back up with um, Trevor Story's injury and whatnot. Are you buying back in now? Or are you hesitant because of what you've seen so far? I, I think you probably would have had to have held on to him in NL only just for the fact that the stolen bases, which is what kind of everybody pushed him up their draft boards for a reason uh, in the preseason, kind of still is a is a thing there in those deeper leagues where it might only take you like, you know, an extra five stolen bases the rest of the year to really make a difference. So I see the allure there and he's kind of piecing together spots at a few positions, you know, second base, shortstop, a little bit of outfield there. But the Rockies, you know, um, kind of one of those teams that really doesn't give these guys a full run as long as they have some veterans to go in there. And, you know, it might be a platoon with McMahon at second base, you know, and for as long as Trevor Story's out, maybe the shortstop plays there. But, yeah, he's just more kind of more of the piece where you really got to throw throw a few bucks at him. Hopefully he gets two or three games a week if you're in a mixed league. Maybe you throw him as that middle infielder, as that fifth outfielder if he has that eligibility eventually. Not, I'm not all that excited because of, you know, the other guys he has to elbow for time with, but – you know, at this point, if you're really hurting for steals, I see the logic behind it. And that's the best way to approach it. Like you said, if you're hurting for steals, it's so hard to find steals. You could look that direction for sure. Otherwise, the way the Rockies treat these guys, it's so difficult. I've, I've held on to Ryan McMahon all year, and I've been so close to dropping him so many times. And then they have seven games in Colorado, so I keep them. And we just keep doing this over and over again. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Garrett Hampson because it's we all hoped it would have been Brendan Rodgers by now, and that's not happening, so so many decisions there. Um, not as flashy fat, flashy of a move, but David Fries goes on the IL. Fries is actually playing really well. That's why I just wanted to bring him up. Uh, they, the Dodgers recalled Will Smith, who had a walk-off homer over the weekend. The Dodgers keep getting production from guys like Matt Beattie and so many others. Um, have you kind of – have you streamed David Fries at all or, or Matt Beattie or any of these these Dodgers that have just kind of come out of nowhere? I mean, it is tough to keep up with all the platoon arrangements, but the Dodgers are one of the best teams in the league at doing that. So you kind of do kind of roll with one of those guys in a deeper mix league. Okay, if you see three lefties this week, you know, Freeze will play. You plug him into quarter infield. I, I really haven't had any piece of him. I think that he's actually had an odd year because he's batting 380 against righties. And that's kind of goes against goes against the grain for him. But, you know, the lineup share is definitely much safer against southpaws. And, and the Dodgers really don't have that other guy at first base to really kind of take that off. And so Max Muncy's kind of getting a little bit more of a run here. Um, I, yeah, no, no piece of freeze. I get the value in real life. He has to a club and, and the Dodgers have the, the resources to kind of, you know, uh, plug in for those, you know, part-time situations here. So yeah, um, freeze, just one of those guys that's kind of was filler and only for me, uh, as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's go to Tampa Bay. Diego Castillo had a kind of rocky weekend, walk off one run to Matt Chapman and others. Now it's the 10 day IL with shoulder inflammation. The Rays are still missing Jose Alvarado, who should be back there pretty soon as he's supposed to be getting a couple of rehab starts after he left for a family matter. It's kind of a mess in that bullpen right now. A, if you have Diego Castillo, how do you feel about it? And B, just what's your thoughts on the Tampa Bay bullpen as a whole? I mean, the Tampa Bay bullpen is just great pitching, but it's also just terrible fantasy. It's, you know, one of the one of the frustrating things. Alvarado was a guy that we at Rotowire were, were pushing up, and justifiably because he's a great pitcher. And then, you know, you figure – Emilio Pagan being acquired and 
some of these other guys like Chaz Rowe were hanging around. They have so many options. I don't think they care who gets to save most of the time. You know, Pagan was a guy who got like three saves in a row on three straight days, I think, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and he's a he's another great guy to take over at, at this point, at least for the next week, uh, feeling that Castillo matchup role with Alvarado whenever he comes back. It's 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 just really frustrating if they're both gonna, if they're all three are going to be healthy. Pagan's a great pitcher. It's just you know if you're in a holes league, these guys are all money. But yeah. you know, Pagan, a guy that has that nice little you know, it's tough to hit his stuff. Basically, he's kind of, you know kind of elicits a lot of soft contact there. So yeah, it's one of those pitches where you know pictures where it's three great pitchers. You really can't you know, fish it out. So, you know, clearly each week, depending on who's going to get the save. So yeah, Castillo, great guy to own another, another third of a closer here. It's, it's, yep. it's very similar pitch, similar arrangement there. Yeah. Very, very similar. And it's one of those, like you can't drop them because nope. they could go on those runs. So they just kind of sit there. And if it's a non-holds league, like I have Alvarado and, and DGFBI and it's killing me as we kill it. Like I can't drop them. And it just, it is what it is, but maybe he'll get his run when he comes back. We'll see about that. Uh, let's go to Cleveland Indians. They are making moves as they are. They should admit they're in a rebuilding phase. I don't think they've accepted it yet, but they should. <laughs> but Bobby Bradley gets the call up uh, from AAA, scorching it. You know, 24 home runs already. He's basically doing what Peter Alonso's doing in the bigs in AAA. Um, hit 292, mm-hmm. strikes out a lot. But what's your interest in a guy like Bobby Bradley who will get to bid on next Sunday in TGFBI? Yeah, I actually did stash him in Tout Wars this week. Unfortunately, the Tout Wars stashing rules, if you get a guy – you know, before you come up, when you pick him up, he has to be in your lineup for the whole week. And I kind of made that sacrifice this week. And then I got a nice surprise Sunday that he was called up. So fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's, I think there's a real shot here. I think that Jake Bowers is disappointed. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the outfield platoon games are kind of weird and, you know, they, they want to, you know, kind of save those guys for that. Uh, Carl Santana first base. I don't think, I don't know if they're really going to be in a place to sell immediately. Um, because they, they are kind of within the wild card race a little bit here. It's a little bit messy at the top of the AL with that. But either way, I think first base, DH, that there's ways to get PC together playing time. Big bodied slugger, you know, say what you want about AAA. The baseball is being enhanced there as well. Uh, but that's a guy that profiles as a powerful guy, you know, to a lesser extent, you know, Jordan Alvarez. I see like a, a shade of him and Bradley a little bit there. The strikeout problems are a little bit more worrisome for me, but. You know, Bradley's a guy in mixing I think is going to have some run at least for the next few weeks if he's up temporarily. Just, you know, pure power grab for, for my for my money here. Yeah, the 292 average in AAA, I don't think we should be expecting that. I think there will be yeah. a lot of nights where he kind of goes Joey Gallo on us and strikes out three times and maybe runs into one. But at the same time, we've seen what they did with Oscar Mercado. If these kids are playing well, they have no reason not to play them. So unlike some other places in Colorado or other joints, it might not be the case. So, um, yeah, this could be a good move with everybody kind of low on fab. It might not be as expensive as Jordan Alvarez and some of these others. But uh, that Alvarez, we could have a whole podcast on what he's doing right now. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Bobby Bradley a lot to like there. The Oakland A's, Blake Trinan, BIL, I know, a uh, member of Rotowire. Scott Jensen, he's a big A's fan, and he's been talking about how he thinks Trinan's been injured for a while now. And there he goes. He goes on the IL. And he thinks it's going to be a longer deal. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but uh, it's, it's pretty ugly in Oakland. And we'll definitely talk about some saves candidates later. But what's your thoughts on this training injury? Yeah, you don't want to hear rotator cuff ever. Uh, so that's, 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 first of all, just a bad warning shot. And, you know, I, you hate to speculate injury because it's, it's something you, you don't want to do without too much expertise. You know, we have Jeff Stotts at Rotowire who does a great job with that stuff. But you do have to kind of infer some things if you're looking at these guys and a guy like Trinan suddenly ha- sees his walk rate jump three walks per nine from what it was last year. You know, the, the skills last year were just kind of an extension of what he had been doing, the ground balls, 
the, the strikeout stuff that wasn't necessarily translating to strikeouts. Uh, but then he kind of, you know, started using that cutter, which was really successful for him to go with the sinker ball. So maybe the the pitch mix change could have had something to do with that. There's the different arm angles that are putting stress on that on that that rotator cuff there. You know, the the relievers, you never know what these these short sample sizes what can bring from them. And that could have been a cause we could have speculated about just, oh, he wasn't having the good luck this year. The left on base rate was lower. Uh, but, you know, this is a thing, you know, Scott might be right. Scott watches the team a lot more than I do. And that's a case where I could, you, you, you want to have a fan of the team kind of having some insight there, what he's seen. And if, you know, the stuff isn't really kind of flashing the same bite in the zone or down in the zone for trying and sake, that was probably leading to a lot of the struggles, and that could have been where it was stemming from. Yeah, it'd make a lot of sense. I can't remember who it was, so I apologize uh, for who tweeted it, but they showed a, a chart of the, the velocity drop over the last, like, couple months. It was very, very alarming, like the last two weeks. It really stood out, mm-hmm. like, uh-oh, this is not a good look here. So, yeah, hopefully it's not too serious. It's a shame because, like I said, you don't want to hear rotator cuff ever. So this can get real, real dicey if it goes in the wrong direction. Uh, talking about dicey relievers, Cody Allen, he uh, was once great in Cleveland, went to Anaheim, not so much, got released, and now he's with the Twins, a team that once had a great reliever in, in Ryan Presley and uh, is still kind of figuring it out in the back end. Any interest in a guy like Cody Allen? We've already talked about all these other messy closing situations. Is this another one now? It's, it's, it's still going to be. I don't think it raises Allen's profile too much for me because I think that um, you know even though his ERA's kind of climbed a little bit recently – Blake Parker and uh, Taylor Rogers, that's a great combo at the back end there. I think the Twins are another one of those teams where, you know, Rocco Baldelli managing new school type where he doesn't really care. Uh, maybe, you know, a less infuriating version of Gabe Kapler, who that's just beyond <laughs> reproach with, with, with bullpen trust. At least you kind of have the two uh, there with Parker and Rogers. But, you know, maybe Allen could be that, that uh, you know, the third option there. You know, in a holds league, I could see Allen, you know, getting a little bit more cr- credibility because he does have a place in – in, in, in a prominent spot for a, a well-performing team. Uh, and you know what? As the playoffs come, the Twins may not need to stress their guys out too much because they'll have such a big lead. Maybe Allen does sneak in a few saves down the stretch, so I wouldn't write it off. And they say they have ways that they could fix him. I mean, the Walkers just kind of cratered the last couple of years, and the home run problem is just really swelled up to, to you know, warning signs from last year. So maybe if you're in like an 18-team mixed league or something crazy, you could tuck him away at that spot, but – in purposes that were, you know, leagues that you and I are kind of in those 15 team mixers, I'm not going to get all that excited about this just yet. But, you know, sometimes you, you're really just throwing stones and seeing whatever works. Yeah, basically, if I'm looking at a guy like Cody Allen, I'm thinking, OK, I'm in a 15 team league. I'm less than 15. And there's no chance of picking this guy. Up. Right. But right. 15, 15 team. It's like, OK, I have an open spot. Like I have a Blake training. I couldn't get his replacement. I can get him for a buck right now or a zero dollar mm-hmm. bid and just kind of hold on to him until I need to drop him. Okay, I can see you holding on to that. But, you know, because you know in these waiver wires, there's not a lot out there unless it's like a random injury or a call-up or something these days. It's very limited. So if, that, if you have a case like that where you have an open roster spot, I could see it. But I'm with you. I think the way Rocco has handled that team and handled the back end of that rotation, as frustrating as it can be for fantasy owners, he's doing it just right. Like there's a reason they're eight games up in the, in the central. There's a reason they're playing as well as they are. And they're not going to change that just because they signed Cody Allen for free, basically. So we'll see how that goes. We just know the pedigree's there. If he mm-hmm. figures it out, it could get really interesting. Yeah, it's just a nice little gravy pickup potentially for them. There's nothing wrong with that for the real-life purpose. Oh, yeah, for real life. It's beautiful. How many times have yeah. we seen that for playoff teams and all of a sudden this guy figures it out like in middle of September and then in the playoffs he's the guy. Like It happens all the time. So that, that, mm-hmm. that's a big move for them. 
All right, Pittsburgh Pirates, Gregory Polanco. Talk about we mm. talk about a disappointing reliever. Gregory Polanco, man, like the the talent is there. It just hasn't shown up for us. It's really frustrating. Maybe it's not there. Maybe I'm wrong. But it uh, goes back to the 10-day IL, left shoulder inflammation. He can't stay healthy right now. Are you are you just dropping Polanco everywhere? Because he already wasn't really producing that well. But are you just saying, you know, this year's done? I mean, this is terrible timing for me because I, for one of my ESPN things about post-trade deadline guys that could get more playing time, Polanco was near the top of the list. Um, mm-hmm. I've kind of – I've chased Polanco probably since he's been up in the majors. <laughs> I just, you know, like you said, the, you, are, you aren't alone, Tim. <laughs> the toolsiness is just, you know, you keep seeing it every year. And, you know, maybe he's a young, you know, he's 27 with a lot of experience. Maybe there's something there. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's tough to justify holding him in TGFBI or anything else because, you know, you're hoping that the t- Pirates would trade a, a Corey Dickerson or something to, to open up that third outfield spot as a starter. But, yeah, it's just so frustrating. The Pirates, you know, they have to be losing patience. Just the injuries have been mounting. These last couple of years, uh, the skills just haven't manifested. He's got that really long swing for a tall attendant hitter. Uh, and this kind of has a lot of holes in it. I think that we've kind of realized how much that he could be, you know, I guess, uh, beaten by some smart pitching, major league pitching. So it's kind of made him look embarrassing. And, you know, with that big build, is he going to have those double digit stolen base years if he's going to have these health problems? I know it's, this is the shoulder, uh, but it's just another, you know, the breaking down part of the body. And, you know, I, I'm losing a little patience if I'm, in a shallower mixing if I was tucking him away. But I, if I'm selling for the year in a dynasty league, I do want to kind of call that owner and hopefully he's contending. Maybe he can buy him on the cheap for next year. You know, uh, I can't quit him. Sorry. <laughs> Even with no. the flaws, I can't quit him. <laughs> and that's the hardest part. I'm with you 110%. Like the talent's there. Even this year when he came off the IL, he had like a week or two stretch where he just tore the cover off the baseball game. And then he must've got hurt or something. Like you said, pitchers are finding the hole in that swing. It's just, he's not adjusting, which is very frustrating. So, He's very hard to quit because the profile is outstanding. And there's a couple, we all have a handful of those type of players every draft season 10 where it's like, okay, this is the year I'm doing it. It's value. (laughs) People are giving up and yeah, it still just continues to kill us. But one year it'll hit one year it'll hit and you'll, you'll feel justified. Um, Let's go back to the Oakland A's. We already talked about Blake Trinan, Frankie Montas, you know, he was once a high end prospect in the A system. Uh, He's been pitching great this year. The addition of the splitter everyone was talking about, and then he goes and gets busted for PEDs. And he flat out didn't even try to fight it. He didn't say it was an accident. He apologized. Um, it's, it's a substance that's used to mask other substances. It's not a good deal. So 80 games, Frankie Montas basically done for the year. What are you doing with him? Say, I know you're not obviously keeping him now. But say you're in a dynasty league. What do you do with a guy like Frankie Montas? Do you believe this was really him or was this PED influenced? It's, it's much tougher to peg that with a pitcher. Um, cause it's not the, you know, the, gen- the, um, generally, uh, given reasons for a guy improving, you know, you could say that PDs could have contributed to some other people like a Brady Anderson type of year or something like that. But pitching, there's so many other factors that kind of go into that. I was kind of upset that I didn't land Montes when he was first starting to show his success. Cause you said he had that prospect profile where that he could probably occupy a good spot in, in at least a bullpen. Cause he had a big fastball, big sinking fastball. Um, kind of, you know, maybe, maybe the walk rate wouldn't improve much as a starter because he couldn't last deep into games. But his his repertoire was kind of the reason I was I was on him when this was showing because uh, he added, you know, the split finger fastball to go. You know, he has kind of like the three fastball type arrangement with the slider. Uh, he was really kind of showing that he was growing as a pitcher because he's had that, you know, those up and down start stop uh, stops in his career. Uh, but, you know, maybe the velocity could have been a result of some of that PED stuff. I, I don't know 
if they've revealed what he's actually taken. I don't think we have yet. It just said PEDs in general, from what I've seen. Maybe maybe Scott can Scott Jensen could enlighten us on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of factors. I think it's mo- I'm going to trust that it's a lot of the the growth and the changes were natural, and this, that was kind of more of a a thing where if he did try to cheat, it was just to get an extra edge. But I don't if, if it was accidental, he better tell us soon because you know I want to have that picture for the long term as well. Yeah, and that's that's the part that you know a lot of these guys will come out and say it was an accident. They'll fight it and play it off and at least gives us an idea one way or the other. He just came out and apologized. He didn't try to fight it or anything, which half of me respects quite a bit. Half of me, like, you wants to know the answer. Like, I need to know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to believe, like you said, pitchers is a little different. I think the addition of a split-finger fastball really had to help him regardless of PEDs mm-hmm. or not. But we'll see. The kid was doing just great, great things. It's a shame to have this happen. And, you know, you're, if you want to bring up Joe P. Sophia again, He's one of the biggest fans of letting all these guys be on PEDs again. That's one of his his influences on making baseball better again. So I, I agree about that. Yeah, I tend uh, to agree. It's the, they make a living with their bodies. You know, they, they can assume the risks. It's it's exactly. better for the game. So exactly, just educate kids. Don't say you know this is what it is. Educate them. Let them make their own decisions. I agree. I agree. Yep. Uh, Mike Clevenger, Cleveland Indians, was on the IL for quite a while earlier this year, and now he's back on the IL retroactive to the 18th. Going to miss one or two starts. Still not good, though. This time, at least it's just the left ankle sprain, which is a lot better than the first time he was on the IL. But it's just a shame he can't stay healthy. What are your thoughts on uh, Clevenger these days? Oh, I love the skills. He was one of my, like, sub-aces that I was targeting in a lot of leagues. I have him in a, in a dynasty league for the Rotowire staff keeper, which, you know, gets pretty intense. Uh, and Clevenger is a long-term keeper for me. It'll be, you know, very cheap. Uh, you know, the walk rate's kind of, you know, it's been a little bit iffy. Uh, you know, that was kind of the profile on him was, oh, he's going to walk a lot of too many guys last year. He's doing the same this year. Effectively wild, high strikeout, high walk rate. You worry about the wear and tear of that on a guy like him, especially. He's got that kind of delivery that has that little hitch in it that you could see maybe causing some issues um, in, in, the, in the long term there. But, you know, I do love the skills. And like you said, this is only an ankle injury. So then again, maybe that's the case where it could affect his landing spot or, you know, how he turns in his delivery or something. Uh, maybe there's going to be a lot of herky-jerkiness there. The back injury seems to be a result of that. Um, but I love the skills. And if you know, if you have them, you're happy that he's back. And the Indians, you know, uh, coming around as a team, as we mentioned before, with a good bullpen that could, you know, facilitate the need for wins there. So, yeah, I, 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 would, be, I would be happy to own him if I were, you know, really competing this year that he's coming back. But just got to worry about that whip. I think that's still going to be an issue. And I think the ERA could bite back a little bit, maybe end up at like a 3.50 at the end of the year. And, the journey there is going to be harsh if that's the case. So. Yeah, that's going to be really rough to get that to get that regression on your roster will be very very difficult. That's not fun yeah. to have. Uh, let's talk about some of your rosters uh, before we get into it. For those that haven't been paying attention to live under a rock, Tim is leading TGFBI. We will, we'll try not to mention that too many times. He's leading <laughs> the overall TGFBI. He's led it for a little while now, and it's pretty darn impressive because the guy that's in second in my league with Jeff Erickson and others, mm-hmm. and Kenneth Lee's just been. He's ran away with our league. It's been ridiculous. But um, the fact you have been hanging on up here for quite a while and you have a pretty good, you know, 40-point buffer overall is a massive kudos to you. When you came into this, like, draft strategy, I saw you had the ninth pick in this draft. What was kind of your game plan going into this? Did you have anything specific or just kind of as it went, you went? Um. I think to a degree my base was kind of you want to get a couple of power speed guys on offense. You want to – get one ace and I was big on buying the expensive closers this year because 
in a in a league like this with a, with this size and an overall component, you want you don't want to punt saves. You don't want to wait to try to play the saves game at the end of the draft. You do want to get the one guy that's established near the top. That was one thing I did across a lot of my leagues this year was to get that elite closer on a team that would compete. And I got Kenley Jansen, and then after getting uh, Garrett Cole as an ace in the second round, but Christian Yelich falling to be at number nine was a pretty fortunate circumstance. So that kind of set things that on helps. a pretty decent tone there. Um, f- number number five overall on my board fell to ninth. I was very happy about that. And you know, just kind of really getting playing more profit with starting pitching than anything else. I think because we saw how erratic it was last year. You know, that might lead people to kind of overcompensate and buy top end pitches. I think that was a case where a lot of RotoWire guys and I myself were. I think Todd Zola's top ten now, and Clay Link is. Last year's overall champion is kind of hovering in the top 15 because, you know, I think he punted pitching as well on the top end and get the one guy and then see where the board would play out later. But yeah, mostly just kind of getting the power speed and buying, you know, those, those top skills and just kind of seeing where the whip and ERA would take you from there because you do want to get that base there and, you know, have that, have, have that steady foundation of, you know, ERA and whip help and, and heavy strikeouts. So it's a, just kind of was a, was a get all the top end guys at certain positions, you know, top pitcher, top closer, power speed hitters, and then kind of fill in gaps from there. Yeah, you got Zola 8th, Link 12th, and even Scott Jenstad's up to 18th now. So Rotowire is um, representing. I'm scared, man. Creeping. Yeah. <laughs> Long ways to go. But uh, I, I like I like your strategy there, of course, when you mentioned the, the closers. That was a, a preseason poll I put out. It was actually more controversial than I thought was, do you take two top-end closers? you take one top-end and one punt? Do you just say punt it? Because you know how it was in the old days. Oh, I'll just get a guy late because there's no issue. Still, like, 25 of the teams, we're going to have one closer. No big deal. And that's obviously changed. That's why you did what you did. When I put mine together, I took Felipe Vasquez and Jose Alvarado, not the yeah. you know top tier, but just below the top tier. They should have had stable jobs. Obviously, not working out as planned. So you did that very well. And I think that's a theme, one of the themes. When you look at some of these teams up top, their closing situation is pretty secure. Um, when you look at your offense, it's ridiculous. Like you have the Max Kepler love, like I had. Oh, the, love him. <laughs> uh, Nick Senzel and Austin Riley. Did you draft either one of those, or are those both pickups for you? I drafted Senzel somewhere in the top two hundred, and I was very okay. excited because you know the the, the hit tool is just fantastic. Uh, the possibility that he's going to have second base and outfield eligibility was, you know, for these types of leagues, you want that flexibility, and I thought that was very important. And you know. Reports crept in he was leading off, and it's you know the eye test he passed for me. I think the the power and the hit tool combo was really nice there. So yeah, uh, Austin Riley was my big uh, fab budget blowing. Okay, so I thought. Uh, so yeah, what you do? You remember off the top of your head what you ended up spending on him? Because I know it was all over the board in the leagues. Uh, th- it was it's three hundreds. I'm pretty sure. Okay, it's not bad actually. So, I know there was some that went a little crazier. So three hundreds not too bad. Um, when you look at your pitching, you Garrett Cole, Jansen, Morton. Yeah, you've done pretty, pretty well there. So I don't need to nitpick this too much more because obviously you're winning for a reason. But going forward now, do you, you don't have to give your secrets away, obviously. But mm-hmm. what's kind of your game plan? To, you know, holding off all these sharks is going to be very difficult because baseball is baseball. And one cold streak can change things tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of your game plan to keep this roster as strong as it is right now? I am very thin at fab. So, uh, you, nickling, you and most people <laughs> nickeling and diming the last few weeks has been fun. Um, my, my strategy has been a lot of stashing. Um, I stashed Didi Gregorius a few weeks before he came back. I stashed Mike Soroka a few weeks before he debuted. So that was, that was a fantastic plan that worked out well. Hopefully this injury, something he can climb over there. Um, I dropped AJ Pollock a few weeks ago and just picked him back up this week. Um, hoping for a mid July return, you know, the outfield, who knows what will happen there. 
just to get, get a guy of that quality who I still think can have a rebound, if not stolen bases, if you know, not across the rest of the three or four categories, could be huge there. Playing the paces, I think, you know, to have a start like this in a no trades league is very frustrating yes. because you can't flip people, you can't you know, adjust for a guy like, you know, Anthony Rizzo cooling or Austin Riley, especially cooling, because that's somewhat happening now, I think, and could get a lot worse. So getting the bench together has been big, you know, getting a Chris Taylor for a little bit of a sub here and there has been okay. Eric Thames with the outfield first base eligibility and Mike Moustakas second base, third base has been huge covering those holes that way. Still have Luis Urias on the bench. Uh, Carlos Correa, I'm holding. Uh, It's just, you know, really thinking ahead, thinking ahead of the fab rushes has been huge. And that's really what I've been able to do that's kind of worked out so well. So, and you know, a lot of uh, a lot of superstitious, you know, finger crossing is going to be involved in all this as well because it's a no doubt, it's no great, doubt great competition, it. great leagues. And Scott Pianowski in my own league is just nipping at my heels, and I hate it. I hate that that's going to be that close because Scott's great too. So Scott is Scott is very very good. That's why it's crazy <laughs> that there's two of you guys in the same league sitting there like in the top four right now. It's it's yeah. pretty wild. Uh, you mentioned the I don't think it's talked about enough, maybe unless I missed it somewhere. But the whole idea of stashing or reaching ahead on guys, because usually when like we'll do it here in a minute, we recap what took place. So we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, Bobby Bradley because he's the next big thing. But you, when you bring it up, it's like, okay, I'm grabbing this guy now. Um, like you got AJ Pollock because, uh, you know, sometimes guys getting dropped are more important than the guys that are on the waiver wire. Things along mm-hmm. those lines when you're looking at it. Do you make – you probably do now, obviously, with your fab situation – like, do you make it a point to to really, really dig in on the on the list on the waiver wire, or do you have like a separate you go, go through fan graphs? What's kind of your your fab strategy? Because I think it's interesting how everyone's got different fab strategies, and you can learn a little from everybody. Yeah, it's kind of along the lines of what you mentioned. It's kind of I, you know, keep your watch list really updated. I know some sometimes my watch list even gets bogged down with guys I don't really care about anymore after like three weeks. You kind of really have to go through that and see if there's people that you miss. And you know, going through drop lists is always a big deal. Uh, you know, I'm sure not the first, I'm not the first person who's probably told you that, but yeah, it's definitely just seeing who's getting dropped for, you know, for whatever reason, kind of seeing what the fab market is like, you want to save the money for the closers. You want to save, you know, maybe get ahead of call-ups like that. And the thing about the NFBC setup software is that they don't, you know, if these guys never played the majors before this year, they, you have to wait until they're called up and you have to kind of take that into account when you're just, you know, planning for these things and saving, I found saving fab is less useful in a mixed league than it has been. Uh, I think I want to get ahead on some of these guys. I got lucky to get Riley and like that. But, yeah, it's really kind of looking at depth charts, identifying what holes are going to be there, you know, what closers are going to be a couple weeks ahead. Um, you know, that kind of worked with me with Hansel Robles and Rowan S. Elias a little bit. Um, you know, it's just really just looking down the road and seeing what's happening. I know it's kind of hard in this shallow of a, of a bench size with only seven guys and no DL or IL, whatever. Yeah, that's my one slip for the podcast <laughs> of DL and IL. Um, I do it all the time. Yeah, it's 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 more PC. It's the proper etiquette to say IL than DL, but it's still going to be tough to not ingrain it in my brain anymore. Yeah, it's it's just you know you have to get the shuffle right. You have to get the one spot where you're cycling and a couple spots where you really need to to stash people. So take league size into account. Take your settings into account. You'll get the perfect picture. No, I like that quite a bit. So. Yeah, it'll be fun to keep watching this as we go on. We're about the halfway point in the season, so it'll be real interesting to see where it all goes. Let's go into some fab for the week. Week 13 fab report, TGFBI, thanks to Smata and his page that updates it. And gets awesome all work. Awesome work. Does. It's such a great tool week in and week out. Um, yeah, and we'll do the usual here, and we'll start with one, and it's because he's a, he's a two-star pitcher this week, but Adam Plutko went from anywhere from a dollar to $18. 
if this was not a two start week, Tim, do you have any interest in a guy like Adam Plutko? Uh, <laughs> very hesitant to say <laughs> anything. Um, the, the control's <laughs> awesome. A, these aren't AL only, so that's why I really have no interest. But yeah. I mean, I, I the matchups were pretty solid to get in there, and two start weeks at this point do mean a lot. And I get that the that's the NFBC style, that's the TGFBI style. Two start pitches make matter because you want those. You want to get those strikeouts if you can, and two-star pitching is much much rarer than it has been in the past because of the scheduling, the way it's worked out this year. Todd Zola at Rotowire did a lot of fantastic work on that to kind of say two-star pitchers are really, really more of a commodity than they used to be. So I, I get why. I'm going to let someone else take that risk most of the time. So Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, the, the Cubs called up Adbert Alzale. I'm, I'm getting close to it every time. Um and he came out after Chatwood and pitched great. Pitched really well. They've already said he's going to start his own start this next time around. We never know if this is going to stick. That's just the way the way the world these days. But he went in almost every league. He went from two dollars to two thirty five. Uh, I got him for forty four dollars in League Two. Nice. Two thirty five was to uh, Eric Floramonte. Next closest bid was four dollars. So that's always fun. But uh, what's your thoughts on Advert Alzale of the Cubs? I think he's solid. I think if you're chasing strikeouts at this point, he's a good get. Uh, another guy you have to worry about whip. He's very Tyler Chatwoodian <laughs> to me, if that kind of comparison doesn't make you shake. But, but you know, you're looking for strikeouts at this point. E- even if he kind of settles into like that, maybe, maybe not an opener role, but like a uh, two-inning reliever type because, you know, the Cubs are going to have Kimbo coming back. They might need like a better bridge to get some of those guys. But I think he could be a mixed league guy, even if he's not a starter for a lot of teams that they're just kind of looking to stabilize ratios and stuff like that, the ERA for some of these pitchers can work out that way to, to help. But yeah, I, I get why the allure is there. Top prospects, uh, strikeout abilities there, good arm. Yeah, I'd say it, it's a feasible chase there. 235, that must have been a crazy market with a lot of fan left over, though. I'll say that. Yeah, it's been only guess because the next highest was yeah. 122. That made a little more sense. But yeah, the strikeouts that he was doing in AAA was electric. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of really stick. Could be really interesting, though, at this point in the season. A couple small ones we don't have to hit on. Like Alex Dickerson, he's playing every day for the Giants. Five out for the league. Knock yourself out. Yep. Uh, D- Danny Duffy's getting his. Drew Pomeranz, two starts. But Eliezer Hernandez of the Miami Marlins, you know, pitched pretty well last week. Looks like he might have a spot in the rotation for now. Went from anywhere from a dollar to $16. Uh, what's your thoughts on what you've seen so far from Hernandez? I mean, he's a Marlins pitcher, so, you know, home streaming's pretty good. Uh, the strikeout the, the strikeout and walk rate has been pretty solid so far. Uh he had, you know, AAA second go around this year. He's actually been quite good. Uh, you know, twelve point nine K K per nine, one point one three ERA. I I really don't know all that much about him coming into this year, but you know, Marlins guys uh, do have those matchup things and quality start last time out did pretty well against the Phillies there. So yeah, I, I think another one where you're kind of looking for a little bit a little bit more help here. Uh, I I forget if he's a two starter this week, but uh, you know and. And it's also a club that may not want to rush Caleb Smith back too much yet because that's a guy that's playing for the long term. So maybe maybe um, Hernandez gets a couple of uh, work there as well. I, he's actually a two-starter in the next couple of weeks. So it's a, more of a get-a-planning get, get type of there as well. So I, I get it. You know, last starter, last pitcher type of uh, roster spot there. Could work for me. Yeah, Caleb Smith, uh, the last I saw today, possibly starting a rehab start here middle of this week. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, a couple, uh, no need to rush him back, as you said. Uh, Emilio Pagan went from anywhere from $2 to $48. We already kind of hit on that with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yep. If you just had to pick one Rays guy for the rest of the way, I know we already discussed it. So it's a three-man decision right now. If you just wanted one guy that's going to lead them in most saves the rest of the way, who do you have? 
I, I guess I guess I'll go. I know it's a fun noise. If, if, if all things were equal, I would go with Alvarado, but I'm going to go with Castillo. I think Pagan, they, they, they like him as the holds guy. I think that's more of his face. So I'll go Castillo, but who, you know, I, I don't want to be doing that if I'm contending. So, okay. Uh, Eric Sogard, they were going through that hot streak revolution again. Francisco mm-hmm. Mejia went deep. He's back up with the big club, maybe. But like, guy like Jason Kipnis, uh, he's been picked up off and on for the last few weeks. Went for a dollar to $13 this week, $13 to Walter McMichael. He's on fire right now. He's hitting really, really well. Kind of flashbacks of the old Kipnis. Uh, the Indians' offense is kind of heating up as, as Ramirez even hitting a little bit. What's your thoughts on Kipnis right now? Do you kind of think this is something we can enjoy the rest of the way? Maybe not to this extent, but a productive fantasy player? I had Kipnis as like a last couple of rounds type pick in a lot of 15 teamers this year, just, you know, because maybe not the speed element being there from his, you know, 15 to 20, 30 steal heydays. Of course not, because he's, he's what, 32 now, but. The power, I think, is still there, and you know the summer coming around in Cleveland could be good for the, the you know, helping the home stadium power factor there. Against righties, I think it's a good good place to have a guy like that in a deeper mixed league to kind of play those those four or five week type of matchups if he's going against a couple righties. So yeah, um, maybe not so much for for batting average long term. Um, you know, kind of a guy that doesn't really have much of a of a walk rate anymore. But you know, he's he's making a little more contact than he used to, so that's always a solid thing for him and. Yeah, I think there's a little, little bit of a renaissance here. I think Kipnis can can be that you know middle infielder type that could that can help you out in a pinch. Yeah, I'm with you there. I've I've had him in the uh, 14 team Barf League out here in the Bay Area with Eno and Mason and all those guys, and uh, yeah. I grabbed him a while ago to help me with some middle infield help. So yeah, it hasn't sucked. I'll say that much. No, no. Um, John Gant, you were the lucky bidder for the low bid of six dollars. The high bid was thirty eight dollars to Ray Murphy of Baseball HQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of already on that one, though, so $6 is not a bad speculative bid at all. Um, Jordan Yamamoto, two great starts against the Cardinals. People are questioning it going into Philadelphia. Pitched really well, really, really well. I think he surprised some people there. He went for as low as a dollar to Joe Galina, all the way to 116 to Eno Saris, 101 to Anthony Aniano. Um, what's your thoughts on what you've seen so far from Jordan Yamamoto? He's damn crafty. Uh, mm-hmm. Love Love the way he kind of, you know, he does have that breaking stuff that really is kind of bewildering. Not, of course, not a flamethrower type, but you know, sometimes those those guys can last for a while. And of course, you know, as I said before, uh, with with Hernandez, you know, the the home starts will probably be good for a guy like that to really kind of be a streamer type. Uh, it could come down to Hernandez and Yamamoto, to be honest. With that, if Caleb Smith does come back anytime soon, it could be fighting for a top role there. And Pablo Lopez, of course, still an injury concern there. So. I think Yamamoto's a, a guy that kind of would be one of those things where you can kind of see what happens there. He's he's facing he's uh, at sorry I believe he's, he's he's at home versus the Phillies this weekend, so that's that's, yes. that's probably a good reason for that to stash him. So, no to, doubt to about it. Him, excuse me. Yeah, I, I was very impressed. I, I was wondering how he'd fare in Philadelphia. It started out a little little rough, but then he mm-hmm. really he showed some some stones. Really impressive stuff there from Yamamoto. Yep. All right, let's get to the Oakland fun here. Liam Hendricks oh. went pretty much every league. Went for as low as 7 bucks to as high as 179 Some of these bids are interesting. I'll give a humble brag. I got him for $51. Next closest was 50 so I'll take I that like it. one. It's always mm. nice when that happens. <laughs> it doesn't happen enough. It's nice when that happens. You feel justified. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> so we kind of already said it. We you know, we think China might be out. We don't know. We're not doctors. We don't say holiday ends. I don't know. But um, when you have Liam Hendricks, what's your thoughts on him and the overall Oakland situation again? It, it could be crowded as well. I mean, Hendricks has had a lot of holds recently, so that's you know that's, that's a good sign that he's in these high leverage spots. He's worked some eighth inning, he's worked some seventh inning. 
and of course got the save uh, on Saturday night. So that was a good sign there. And and that's a, you know Hendricks is another guy that's kind of hovered around closing. He was another failed starter with the Twins, soft tossing type, contact oriented type. It's kind of grown out of that as a reliever. Worked out really well. I think the the skills are pretty solid. Uh, strikeout rate has climbed as he's gotten as a reliever. And and yeah, I think he would be a, a solid backup plan there. Of course, you know. Oakland also, you know, if Lou Trevino might come around again or something like that, they could they could go his way. So, you know, Soria has the experience, but not necessarily the skills anymore. Yusmero Petit could be a guy like that. So I think Hendricks is the top of those guys. So it does make a lot of sense to have him there. And I think you getting him for that amount could be could could end up paying off if if unfortunately China does have to miss a lot of time. But you know, so that's the reality. We have to deal with these sometimes and project out. So yeah, uh Hendricks, you, you getting him, I thought that was a good win. So Yeah, I was happy because I don't like bringing up outside people when I have a guest on the show, but your buddy Jeff, Jeff Erickson, he's outbid me on quite a few things this year, and it's been very, very frustrating. Um, I'm hurting in steals, and he got Malik Smith from me, and I'm hurting in saves, so I couldn't not get this. I had to find a way to get it, and somehow I got lucky that 51 was the bid, so I'm very happy about that. Uh, Logan Allen of the San Diego Padres goes for as low as $9 to Brian Ambos, all the way to 120 to Lou Landers, it's uh, all over the board with him. Young Padres pitcher pitched really well. We don't really know how long he'll be up for, but things looked great in that first start. What's your opinion on Logan Allen? Well, he now has an autographed $1 bill from John Cena, speaking of wrestling. <laughs> so I uh, love that story. That's a great one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's kind of another – the skills are there, but will the opportunity be there? Because you still have Nelson LeMay, who may come up at some point this year. It's another guy you kind of think about stashing and – Hint, hint, I might be thinking about picking him up this week in TGFBI also. I um, like that. I like that move. <laughs> I brought him up like, you know, a couple of weeks ago to start in rehab. And I think so many people forget how good he can be. Can be, yes. yes. Um, walks issue there. They might put him behind an opener, which would be a smart move for him to kind of let him face some of those lower end guys. But yeah, the Alan Lamette, if you can handcuff those two, you might be actually in a pretty good spot for that, like, that Padres back end type of starter. That's a guy you kind of want. That's one of those positions you kind of want to handcuff if you're in a deep enough league. So, yeah, I don't hate that at all because, you know, sometimes it might be better to throw that handcuff out there than some other options you have throughout the week and uh, get better results with that. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, he went from anywhere from $1 to $23. It's odd talking about Michael Lorenzen, but the fact is he's saving games in Cincinnati yep. right now. Uh, it's frustrating as a guy that's got Iglesias in a few spots. It's very frustrating. What's your thoughts on this Lorenzen deal? Is it kind of a flash in the pan, or is this something we need to really consider? I wouldn't, I wouldn't shush it away because you know Glacius has kind of expressed frustration with when he's being used. I know my, you know, Jeff, speaking of Jeff Erickson, Cincinnati Reds fan, Jeff Erickson, he kind of gets frustrated with the Glacius kind of chirping about his role. Just, just, just go out and pitch when you have to. Is basically the thing. But yeah, I think Lorenzen. I, I got him for zero dollars in Tout Wars. Uh, I think there's. The Reds, it's kind of a funny quandary because, the you know, Iglesias is somewhat affordable and the Reds could just keep him for a couple of years and just not trade him. But if he's traded, that's more of an even re- more of a reason to have Lorenzen as getting the majority of saves. Even if he gets like one save chance out of every three with Iglesias on the team, that still could be worth something. So definitely a range of outcomes there. Uh, could be could just plan bust out and himself be traded. And that's always a fun guessing when these if these setup guy or the closer will be traded around the trade deadline. So I don't think it's a terrible idea to kind of speculate there at all. Yeah, I'm with you. It could be quite interesting, and that's a cheap speculation compared to the Liam Hendricks we talked about. Ronnie's Elias went from five to seventy-five, so he's getting a couple shots here and there. So yeah, it's pretty cheap if you could get him at at that price point right now. So I don't hate that at all. I know uh, Matty Moe got him in a few leagues. Uh, Ross Stripling with uh, Rich Hill 
going on the IL. Shocker to many. Um, yeah. Ross, this is a different one, though. It's not a blister. This is kind of a scary one, actually. Um, oh. But Ross Stripling, anywhere from 45 to 120. The de- debate's always been, is it going to be Stripling? Is it going to be Urias? It's, I think Urias is the better pitcher, but I think Stripling's probably going to get the job. So what's your thoughts on Stripling these days? Yeah, for a contending team, you want to go with Stripling, who's had the experience for you. He started 21, sorry, 21 games last year, six games this year. I think they want to go back to the to the the more reliable guy there. Urias, as a reliever, could be you know lethal as well, and a guy you can eat two innings up in the postseason. So I think he's going to stay in that role and be the you know kind of be the next guy if another opening comes up there. So yeah, Stripling for me is what should have been the lead guy, and I think it priced out in most leagues that he was. So yeah, it's a. Uh, Go with the guy you know if you're a team that's going to be, you know, World Series contending again like the Dodgers will be. We've been talking about speculative bids, speculative closers. I think it's really interesting. It shows you kind of the depth of the leagues we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Scott Oberg got re-picked up from anywhere from $1 to $17 in uh, six leagues. I know it's ugly having any Colorado pitcher, but ever since um, Wade's come back from the IL, it's been ugly. So there's a good chance Oberg sneaks back in there for a little bit. Uh, do you have any imp- input or thoughts on Oberg? Uh, I, I think that the 221 ERA is too good. I mean, I know relievers can kind of live off that from short sample, but, you know, uh, the bat pip is a little bit low. I mean, and a, more so a ground ball pitcher, which is good in cores, I guess. It helps you survive, but it, not really a, a flamethrowing type. But I guess if you get outs, you, really, you don't really care. Uh, I think Albert's a good guy to kind of tuck away as well. I, I think there's uh, – if the Rockies are kind of in it and Davis has just been really lagging, I think that Oberg is going to be the next guy again. And, you know, people kind of thought about Carlos Estevez, you know, Oberg was the guy that was not walking anybody. So it really worked in his favor. So yeah, I, no issue there as well. And especially if you have Davis, I think you have to have to join the two. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's one of those that one of the reasons I do this exercise besides just, you know, having fun and, and talking about some big players is, pointing out stuff like that to, to maybe people in 12-man leagues or whatever. Just keep an eye. Put him on your watch list because there's a good chance, you know, Thursday afternoon something could happen, and boom, now he's back in the role. Anything can happen in baseball these days. Just keep an eye on these guys. Uh, a couple more. The Todd father got picked up in a few leagues riding that hot streak out. Vinny Velasquez has moved to the bullpen. Some people are speculating there. With Kapler, anything's possible. Just be ready for the roller coaster ride. Um, somehow, Jordan Alvarez, oh, my goodness, he did not get added in League 10 last week. What in the world happened there? Uh, that is I, it. Oh. I don't know. But Alex I'll Becky, be- <laughs> my boy Alex Becky was on top of it, so it's fine. Good good for him because, <laughs> wow, if I would have been in that league because there's some leagues I just put in like a small bit of speculation. I didn't have enough money. To know that you could have probably got him for a buck would have stung, would have stung a lot. Oh. Um, but, but the big name on the docket this week, Zach Gallen, went from $33 all the way to three twelve. It was prices all over the spectrum it was wild i know in my league um erickson got him for uh decent uh, and only like 87 87 pretty cheap actually what's your thoughts on zach gallon that's the third marlins pitcher we've talked about in fab this week oh so 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 fun but this is the actually the fun one for me yep, exactly. um love the profile the big right-handed thrower i think that you know maybe a little bit more delivery that could you know falter him if people catch up to him eventually but for this year i think the the newness factor is going to work in his favor. Uh, yeah, I really, I really dig the profile here. I think that having these four pitches that are at least serviceable, if not, you know, they're, they're plus if they're not plus plus. So it's always nice to see a guy like that. Heavy slider pitcher, you got to worry about that a little bit to a degree because the slider has kind of been affected by a lot of uh, for a lot of players with the new seams in the baseball that the grip's been kind of questionable. I uh, so, but but he's he's not a slider heavy guy. He's just kind of throw through it heavily in his first outing. He's got a curveball, got a changeup, got a fastball. 
you know, maybe pumps it up more so to 95 than maybe higher 90s. But I still think that there's a lot of pitchability here, you know. Uh, and, of course, the situation is great for, for the home park again. So really excited about it. I was priced out of him everywhere. Did not have anywhere close to what it would take to get him. So, uh, yeah, just a, a, a guy that I have in a keeper league that I'm very excited about. But this year I'll have to watch him succeed on other people's rosters. Yeah, I, I, I have him in <laughs> one league. I've been offered as I'm a rebuilding in a keeper league. People have offered him to me, so I might go snag him somewhere else because, like you said, the profile is great. Um, it, it was it was weird, but just shows you how baseball development changes. He was like a – I think I heard I saw James Anderson had him as like the 18th or so prospect in the Martin system coming into the year. And then things things change. That's the beautiful thing about prospects. And he dominated that PCL, which is hard to do these days. So, yeah, uh, really, really impressive. He looked pretty good that first start. Overall, looked pretty darn good. Well, Tim, that'll wrap us up this week. Uh, any final thoughts on the week that was in baseball and things coming up in the fantasy world? Well, you mentioned Todd Frazier. I definitely took his side in that whole that, that shenanigans that he was in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. With, with the, the Eaton ones? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Well, that's okay. That, you just dinged, I have it written down in my paper here to ask you. You are a Mets fan, correct? I no, no. Oh, you're Yankees. My dad raised me right, Brian. Come on. Okay, I I, I, I knew it was one, and this is why I asked before I led with it. But Wait, is, is that because is that because Ariel took me to the game? Is that why no, you no, saw no. that? No, I think yeah. it's because you're friends with Joe Pisapia, and you know mistakes have been made but um you're <laughs> <laughs> not uh, it's the best part <laughs> yeah exactly but uh since you're a, a yankees fan then then this helps um we can talk about the mets in, in even more fun oh no you're at least hearing the beat around there since you live in the area what's your like what is going on with that clubhouse situation do you have like is there anything you're hearing that maybe we're not it's crazy i brian i told you i'm not tim healy I'm Tim Heaney, so I don't have firsthand accounts. But Mickey Calloway, man, this guy seems to – I wish he could just go back to the days as a pitching coach when he was actually getting praise. Now it's yep. kind of exposing his leadership style. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, you know, the whole thing seemed weird to, to attack a reporter. And, and as a journalist, I don't know if, if Healy said in a tone that might have upset him, but you don't talk to a reporter that way unless he really, really outright – Go Jim. And I, I didn't see anything in that situation that was the case. And you, you don't you don't talk to a reporter that way if the reporter's just doing his job. I'm sorry. That's you know, that that, yeah. that that's a whole other thing I'm I'm I, I get really pissed off about. I'll yeah, that, personally. Uh, that was that was really bad. Like they can't be doing that. Your job is to answer questions if they're good, easy, hard, doesn't matter. You're supposed to answer these questions. And when things aren't going well, they're probably not gonna be good questions. So get used mm-hmm. to it. Uh, that's that's part of your job. That's why you get paid those uh, seven to eight digits every time. So uh, get get used to it, but uh, yeah, that was pretty pretty interesting stuff there. But yeah, at least you're a Yankees fan, and you guys are healthy, and you're hitting home run after home run after home run all day long. You know your lineup still looks great tonight, and there's no void or no, there's no Judge and one of your other twelve mashers. It's ridiculous. I mean, I was a huge fan of the DJ LeMahieu acquisition. I didn't think it would last this long. How joyous I am! It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. What he's doing. <laughs> yeah, so much for that. He can't hit in, uh, outside of Coors Talk, huh? I mean, it helps to have Yankee Stadium as a home park, and he can go to all fields, so that helps in with the short porch. But yeah, the guy's just a contact machine. Uh, he's he saved. He, he I think he might be the MVP of his team, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, when everyone was hurt, he was carrying that club. I remember that yeah. quite a bit. What he was doing was pretty darn impressive. There, him, Luke Voigt, and, uh, and others. He, he was really getting it going. Um, what have you heard lately on Severino? Because it's it's getting to that point of the year. If it's not coming soon, you might if you're even holding them on your roster, you almost have to debate what you're doing with them. 
Uh, I haven't heard much else uh, than what's been said already. Just, you know, he's throwing. Um, he threw last week from, you know, was it 105 feet, I think it was. Yeah. I think maybe if he, if he doesn't come back by the end of July, we're going to be fantasy. People are going to kind of be hard-pressed here. I mean, then again, there's the argument that if you've held him, keep holding him. Exactly. So there's that. But depends on your situation. That's all. Yep. League-by-league yeah. league context. Always fun there. But, uh, Tim, it's been a pleasure. We'll have to do this again sometime. Ooh, absolutely, Brian. Thank you so much, man. It's been a it's been a trip. So yeah, no doubt about it. Everybody, go check out Tim's work over on Rotowire, ESPN, in this ring, all that great stuff he's got going on. He's on Twitter at Team Heaney, so go check that out. And again, thanks for listening. This is Benji Bubba, episode one eighty two. Catch you guys next time. Yeah.